Hello all and welcome to edition 132 of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that went shopping for linen in the city centre and couldn't find a bedsheet anywhere. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well on the way. Swan diving, did someone say changes and O'Neill Hernandil. We'll work through all that and more with our guests this week, who are Norwich number one chief at NCFC numbers, and of course, our very own Steve Sanders. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Good evening, everyone. I managed to unmute you in time and seamlessly, but until I just sort of tripped over that bit, but it's fine. No one noticed until I just mentioned it there. We also have a former Norwich City head of content and program editor, Daniel Brigham. Hello, Michael, and hi, everyone. And last but by no means least, we have US Norwich fan and professional football coach. It's Nick Dye. Hi, Nick. Hello, Michael. And hello on the ball universe. On the ball universe. Indeed. Here we are. Welcome, everyone. Welcome all you watching and listening uh, live and, of course, in the future, that wonderful place of the future. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Um, How is everyone this fine day? Steve, I shall come to you first, as always. Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Yes, um, glad that we've got a few uh, people watching, a few people joining us. Comments are popping off already, so I think they're popping uh, off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I know we're we're on a tight schedule, so I'll just say I'm fine. Um, ready to fire into <laughs> into the chat and leave it at that. I think. Just crack on with the questions, shall we? Yeah, we nothing mm-hmm. we need today, is there? So that's all good. Um, Dan, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thanks. I was just wistfully. Watching the um, build up to Middlesbrough Luton before joining this uh, before joining this podcast, just watching two very young, dynamic, tanned managers looking very healthy, uh, enjoying a kind of meaningless game as they prepare for the playoff semi-finals. Our manager yes. is tanned, to be fair. Like we can't we can't. Uh, that is something that we've uh, we've managed to achieve this season. Yeah, uh, which means there's there's hope to be had still, I guess. Well, yeah, I'll keep us in the running. Nick, how are you? And where are you? In San Francisco, is it? Yes, I'm, in, I'm well, thank you. And I'm, yes, I'm in San Francisco, doing my best to get my complexion to David Wagner's level. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, how, how is it in San Francisco? Is it, is it, is it warm today? Uh, yes, sunny and warm. You can see some of the sunlight coming in. Yeah, oh. sunny and warm. Nice. Wonderful. Wow. Anything to... Uh, remove some of the grey clouds around Norwich. I'm talking literally, of course, it has been cold and rainy, but that's okay um, because summer is on the way, which is exciting. I'll tell you what else is exciting, the rest of this podcast. Uh, So for those watching us live, please do get in touch, uh, whether that's on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, You can post a comment and it will come straight through to us on the pod and we'll pick out the best, read the best. We'll answer any questions that we we can. Uh, We are also live, broadcasting live, on Twitter, I presume that still works, uh, given, you know, so much of Twitter gets cancelled or whatever. I don't even know what's going on there. But anyway, yes, uh, we are, I think, live on Twitter. So um, I do I do have a second screen, so I will try and keep an eye on tweets. So you're more than welcome to tweet us. and I'll have a look. I'll do my best. Um, so, yeah, do that. Uh, and I'm also keeping an eye on the Luton Middlesbrough uh, you know, scoreline because it's obviously hugely relevant to football uh yes if you've got anything you want to say comments questions get them into us uh and if you're listening in the future 
that's fine too. You can still get in touch with us on the podcast. All you need to do is email your thoughts to twitterkers, twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. Twitterkers, twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. But for now, I reckon we should start, as we usually do, with our headline act. Deary me, as much as I'd love to talk about the 1-1 draw at QPR, I don't think there's anything to talk about that compared to what happened on Saturday. Uh, Swansea came to Carrow Road. They won 3-0. Sam McCallum was sent off at 2-0 just before halftime. Russell Martin is, of course, the manager of Swansea. He wandered around and enjoyed himself. Uh, The crowd were busy chanting for people to leave. And then the crowd left. Uh, and all in all, uh, the ramifications are still rumbling on, probably by with a lot of people uh, just hoping that it'll all also go away. Um, what a wonderful weekend it was, Steve. Uh, <laughs> when, when was the last time it was this bad? I think there's a joke answer and then probably a real answer. Uh, which would you like me to give? I, could you get, I bet you could guess them. Well, you probably can't guess one of them, but you could guess one of them. I mean, I feel like the joke answer is like, Last weekend when we yeah! were losing five on to Borough, I don't know. Is that funny? Or last, I don't know. Or last I don't really season? Do jokes. Last season, I was thinking about it. end of the same time last year. Oh yeah, because okay, it was yeah. basically the same, right? Yeah. Take your pick uh, from all the other terrible it? moments that we've had. Um, Is this I can't, worse? I can't remember a half uh, quite like that second half in that I watched as a fan, which um, was kind of slightly. I, I, I can't remember anything from it other than maybe the third Swansea goal. It's like I was in some sort of fugue state. Um, I, yeah, I had a little look and Swansea completed over 600 passes. We had 15% of possession, which uh, I thought I'd just check out what's like the average amount of time that the ball stays in play during a game. And apparently it's about 55 minutes. So if the, if at that rate we had four minutes and seven seconds where we were on the ball in that that (laughs) second half, Uh, which is a good one for on the ball podcast, I suppose. Um, Yeah. I mean, obviously the damage was done in the first half uh, and it was just, I mean, actually the first 10, 15 minutes, we didn't play that badly, um, but it unraveled so, so quickly. Um, Defensively, the goals were really, really bad um i mean if we can go more into the details of the incidents um the the defensive line for the sending off the moment where the sending off happened was just incredible just like almost baffling watching it back what what was going on there um and it was kind of like the i don't know i don't know if i'm mixing an idea of like a, a the moldy glacé cherry on this steaming oh. turd of a season um so it was yeah i mean Playoffs are done, three points off, but it's not it's not happening. I don't think we need to kid ourselves about that that any longer. Um, and in some ways, maybe the only positive I can think of is that actually the fact that it has gone quite so disastrously wrong at the end of this season might wake a few people up to the fact that there's some serious surgery needed in the summer. Yes, which is going to get on to indeed. Um, uh, yeah, where 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 to start with some of that stuff, Dan? I, I mean, the thing was, uh, even though the, the first half was a bit, the, the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, a bit hit and miss. But even then, I felt that Swansea looked incredibly dangerous every time they got into the final third. I thought Norwich were just a 
a, a defensive shambles, really, um, which is obviously not like them. I oh, know it really is like them. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite relatively interesting in that Wagner seemed to try to make up for the fact that Sorensen's not a centre-back by playing him sort of further forward. And then sort of out when we were in possession, he was further forward and it went into a back three with McCallum um, on Bamadeli and Aarons. And, but because of that, obviously, poor old McCallum kept getting caught and done uh, in behind. And inevitably, he got caught and done and then sent off uh, pulling his man back. But I thought there was at least there was a sort of glimmer of effort or thinking from Wagner to try and mix it up a little bit. Um, it la- it success lasted for about twelve minutes, though. So you know, <laughs> as the success lasted for about twelve minutes against Middlesbrough as well. So there's a sort of real repetition there. I think in terms, just to go back where you asked Steve about in terms of low, actually, it reminded me a bit of the last game of the of Daniel Farkas first season away at Sheffield Wednesday when we got hammered five one at Hillsborough. And Madison got injured and we all thought that Madison would be out for a long time. We wouldn't be able to sell him. We would have no money. Um, other than that, though, I think, that, yeah, that's probably the worst since, you know, since then. I think obviously losing, getting hammered at Stamford Bridge, different levels in the Premier League. That that sort of feels like the worst performance uh, in the second tier since the final day of Farkas' first season. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, I had forgotten about that Hillsborough game. I mean, it was a Sheffield Wednesday side desperately pushing for the playoffs i mean but yeah that's a really that's a really good point and of course as you both alluded to the narrative is kind of touches in in my piece that i wrote for the aesthetic today is there read it um that touches on this really significant narrative change that we had kind of uh, a few days ago where it's basically right now there's all going to be loads of changes even though we were still sort of hoping for the playoffs we're going to have loads of changes we're going to sow the seeds of all the changes that are that are needed uh, Nick, um, how, how many, how, what are all these changes? How many changes, what needs to happen? I, I mean, I'm talking about what's on the pitch, obviously, because, you know, this is theoretically, I know that things come in cycles, but this is supposed to be a squad that is built off two promotions and that has been a development work. It's not supposed to be a good Lord, let's rip it all up and we need to start again. Because there's only so many players you can change, surely. Yeah, and I think they've, kind of, I, I'm not going to say shot themselves in the foot, but long contracts for Kenny McLean and Adam Eder hasn't gone over massively well with the fan base. You've then given O'Neill Hernandez, who who was a shining light since Wagner's come in, you've given him a contract, but where does that leave Rowe and Jolis? Because that surely that was the opening for one of them if he was one of the ones to go out. Uh, you've then got a a group of players who I'm not sure any manager or sporting director can make them hungry for success because I'm not sure I would be if I was a young, if I was Liam Gibbs in this side, I don't really want them to go up because then where do I fit? If I'm uh, youngsters coming through the academy, I'm looking for a loan. I'm not so affected by that but maybe that loan is no longer a championship loan if I'm already in the championship. And then if I'm Grant Hanley, an aging centre-back who's still quick and has relied on his speed for a long time, how long is that going to stay relevant? Uh, I think the list just goes on and on and on through every single player. Um, And so I don't know what it's going to take to revamp this, but... Uh, they did do an excellent job when we were relegated under Daniel Farker in building a new team. 
that that was something I was seriously concerned about our identity when we were relegated because before we were kind of this ragtag group of individuals who'd come together and built something incredibly beautiful and wonderful for us to all see and then getting relegated it's like well we can no longer be that so who are we and they signed x amount of players and players came to the forefront and it worked so i i, I don't think we're more than three months away from things being very different but i i i don't know if i want to be in charge of that job right now I, the, the worry i think for me steve is that a lot of people will look down the squad and go well they're not good enough they're not good enough. I mean, they're definitely not good enough. And they could keep them, but they're probably not good enough. They, they do as a good squad player. And before you know it, you've, you've sort of gone through the list and it's like, wow, so you only need 23 new players then. And um, I'm not sure where the money is for for funding it. So there's um, there's only a lot there. With a, with O'Neill, I mean, I, I quite like the idea of him uh, being given a new contract because at least he kind of gets it. But it's kind of building around that, isn't it? Rather than, you know him leading the way almost yeah i mean i i certainly think he deserves a deal for the way he's played certainly since wagner's came in uh since wagner's come in sorry um i i do take the point that it it does sort of smack of of the fact that we've regressed to the point that we're now offering a deal to a player who was deemed surplus to requirements maybe a year or two ago but you know i guess campwell todd campwell was kind of in the same position at the start of this season and uh onel's grabbed his chance and and todd let's be frank didn't so i he does he deserves it i would want him here next season given the total lack of creativity we have in other areas um what i would say about the team and the squad um i had a little look at the age um of our team on saturday it was the youngest starting 11 that we've played this century including in cup matches where we usually play the youngsters so um there were literally only three players in that team over the age of 23 uh hernandez sorenson and gunn um and even jacob sorenson's 25 so I, i i you know i mean i'm not gonna I'm not going to make excuses for a terrible performance and it doesn't mean that we should just roll over and get beaten 3-0 at home but it's a very young it's a very very young team and I I do think two of the big scapegoats this season have been Grant Hanley and Kenny McLean um and you know I, I I we've sat here and said it before they are good championship players and I think they are badly badly missed on that pitch um, and I think it shows can I make two points there? And Dan, you can maybe come back on them. That One is, I, I do worry a little bit for Grant Hanley because uh, snapping your Achilles is a, is a career-changing injury. You know, it's you, I think you generally one of the first things you're told when you do that is that you will only come back at sort of 85% of what you were because that changes, you know, what, what your body is capable of. So obviously really hope Grant makes a, as full a recovery as possible. But yeah, the, the chances are, that little little bit of extra pace that he had, he might not have once he comes back. The other thing is what you said there, Steve, is brilliant. Like it's such a young team. Um, and that is a real, that is a real genuine mitigation for recent games. And I would be sitting here going, you know what? If this is the team, we're going to keep them together. You're going to build them up. This is a young Norwich team. In a year or two, there's going to be some really talented players that are going to really be used to playing with each other. And we're going to see the benefits of that. Great. But that's not it, is it? The narrative is there's going to be a shed load of changes. So either they're not good enough or they're only here by accident or there's more play. So it's almost like, well, I, I would have preferred someone to come out and say, right, you know what? We're going to look at the future. This is the team. We're going to add to it. And they haven't even got the money really to do a major proper surgery anyway. So 
get everyone to buy into this really young team and get behind them. But no one sort of said that. They've all said, well, we're just going to make loads of changes and give Anel a contract. So or am I being harsh, Dan? Like, where's I, surely one messaging? I kind of feel like everyone might have got behind that because there is obviously a willingness to go, it's rubbish right now. It needs to be chopped. But let's have something we can all at least have a bit of faith in that maybe it'll work out. I suppose because we don't hear from the supporting director very often, we we have to read a lot into sm- small snippets of messaging that we get from the club and usually from the coach now. But he um, could say that as well, couldn't he? David Wagner could have said that. He's, he's done four press conferences inside yeah. of the last two games. So. Yeah, but we've read what that's that one line in on in the announcement for Arnell, isn't it? Essentially, that there'll be lots of changes this this summer, um, and I do think you know having the basis of a really good young, well, of a promising young squad. Although I'm debating whether anyone, whether how promising they really are, a lot of them, there still needs to be leadership in it. You know, Daniel Farker's eighteen nineteen team was very young, but it also had Tetty and Tim Closer in there, and you know, and Zimberman, although he was pretty young at that stage was clearly, you know, brought in as a leader. Um, so there was there was leadership in that team as well at the moment. And there's a real balance now to be between whether do we want a clean uh, removal of the people who have done it twice, being promoted twice, and that would mean removing Hanley and Kenny. Um, Pookie's obviously already going. Onel's another one of them, but he's staying as well. Uh, and removing that, and therefore we have to replace that kind of thing with a bit of leadership, uh, a little bit of more experience potentially. So there is a real sort of crossroads now, like that young team, if we're going to see all of Liam Gibbs next season and Norma Bamadeli next season, will need leadership. And I felt sorry for Norma Bamadeli because when he finally gets a run in the team, he's put next to Sorensen, who I feel so sorry for because he is a central midfielder playing at centre-back as well. So it's a bit of a misfit. And the other thing about recruitment is... Um, and this leads into a, another point about succession planning is that Va- the way Wagner sets up his teams needs a certain profile of quite unique, certain profile of player to make that work, which means we have to recruit for a specific manager, which in the role that in a setup that sporting director comes into means we shouldn't be doing that. It, the coach should fit the players, not the players fit the coach. And we've gone a long way from that now. And if we bring the players in to fit Wagner's style, it's not a success. And then we have to bring another coach in, then they're going to have to start again and another rebuild starts again as well. So I think it's a real crossroads season now. We're really relying on recruiting well and recruiting well for the way Wagner likes to play football and relying on that being a success. Which I think is a conclusion David Wagner has reached because he can't say it. He knows he can't say it, but he clearly is looking at this group going... They're not going to be able to do what I can do, which is probably quite an easy thing, conclusion to make at this point, because then it's not your fault. <laughs> and then when you get to next season, there's obviously a bit more your fault, uh, and I guess they bring in your players that you wanted. I suppose we won't really know until he's had a pre-season with them as well. Like we know Josh Sargent's probably a really good pressing number nine because all the stats suggest he is. Who knows whether Dow can be turned into one, whether Onel can be turned into one. Uh, Wagner speaks a lot about Onel's fitness needing to be better. Who knows whether... Uh, Rowe can be turned into a sort of for, you know a press uh, a forward who presses really well the way that Wagner wants to. There's just there's just a lot of unknowns, aren't there? Guys? I, 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 I definitely. I, I know this sounds kind of mad off the back of Saturday, but I think the the first ten fifteen minutes, I think we saw elements of that. Like we we did actually press Swansea into one or two mistakes. They gave the ball away a lot in their half. I feel like I almost need to watch it back to convince myself <laughs> this definitely happened. But I, <laughs> I, I, I remember Nunez winning the ball a couple of times high up. And I kind of thought, well, maybe this is 
this is what we're about. And I, I agree. We let's be honest. I, I think there's there's no chance that Wagner will not be our manager at the start of next season. And I think we have to go all in on that. And it is it is going to be a risk, but I think we have to recruit for the style of play that he wants. And I I also. I mean, you look at the teams in the playoffs this year, like Luton obviously currently there, Coventry look like they're they're going well. You know, those are not expensively assembled squads, but they are squads with a plan and who really wants to be in that top six. And I'm not really sure that we ever truly believed once the slide started that, that we were going to get there. That's the impression I've had over the last few weeks is, is not necessarily that the players are terrible and can't be moulded into a good team by a good manager. I just don't think they, I don't think the belief is there and I don't think they want to be there as much as other teams do. That's definitely part of it. Um, interesting, you think there's no chance David Wagner wouldn't be head coach next I would season, be, um, well... The, if, the question mark, I suppose, is who's still sporting director. <laughs> and that that's maybe the only way that he wouldn't be, I suppose, yeah. Which does sort of, yeah, pass us on to, with all the changes off the uh, on the pitch what still happens off it because the one thing i felt nick is that there's a lot of supporters at carrow road who want the changes to be more about just the playing personnel because that's what a few thousand of them were chanting for on saturday so whether you agree with them or not whether they're the majority or just a minority who are shouting a bit um they are there and that is that i what i i don't know i can't think of many clubs Nick, who sort of pull themselves back from this situation, um, it's very hard to, but maybe the more it's ignored, the, the more it goes away. I don't know. Well, I think results will change that. The, the, the difficult thing for Stuart Webber and David Wagner is they've probably had many, many private conversations about the fact that this isn't the squad that's going to be able to do it. And they need to rebuild. They've got uh, Timu Puki, who it's, David Wagner made pretty clear from early on as soon as he came in he knew that he wasn't going to have him next season so you've got players already exiting you've not got the players you need to play your system he's tried to play his system in in a few games and they just haven't built consistency from it but players who have done well in that system Kenny McLean has won I think uh, Huddersfield game wasn't great but first half he was tremendous Um, uh, another one being Onel Hernandez they're rewarding those players and allowing them to kind of see what happens next season. So I think the litmus test is not now for David Wagner. I think I think we can give him enough patience to know that this isn't the squad that perhaps he needs. Um, for for Stuart Weber, he has uh, he has to come out again and apologise for what he's assembled. I think he needs to be really in depth about how things have gone wrong with each individual player from Todd Cantwell wanting out the door to Timo Puki saying very early on that he was probably looking for another challenge. Just many, many reasons why this hasn't worked out. And then obviously the, the, the playoff run towards the end of the season was kind of killed by injuries more than anything else. Um, so I, I don't feel that down about next season, given that with Stuart Weber and David Wagner, given that we're, we've done pretty well as a club to build up to where we are. So you kind of have to put the trust in those two. If those two start fighting and not being on the same page, I think it's a different, now we have to choose one or the other. But right now, I, I don't think we have many better options than to keep those two at the helm and, and see what happens. I, I don't think we have a choice. 
Dan, if I just um, I've just appointed you head of comms at Norwich City. What what happens? Congratulations. What? Yeah, well done. Good luck with it. What <laughs> happens over the coming weeks? Because last year Stuart Webber did his in-house interview, and that was deemed enough from their perspective. And I, I don't think they'd have done anything if they could have got away with it. Um, what happens this time? Well, as head of comms, I don't let you obviously anywhere near. Uh, obviously, yeah, yeah. Well, you've, you've, as head of comms, you've received uh, my email saying that I would like to speak to you. Yeah, yeah. Season, so yeah, I've blocked your number on WhatsApp as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I don't ring it. I don't ring way. it. I don't ring it anymore. It's fine. You know. <laughs> anyway, carry on. I, I well, I would, I would obviously suggest, uh, and I have no experience in communications. I would suggest Stuart Webber getting on the front foot um, and being relatively humble about where what we haven't what we failed to achieve this season and where it's gone wrong where he thinks it's gone wrong and lay out what sort of squad he's looking for for next season and what sort of ambition he's looking for for next season because the last time we saw him in front of the media was when Wagner was unveiled and he, uh, you were there I guess uh, 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 Michael but it looked like he he would rather be anywhere else rather than in front of the media um, which is Relatively insulting to, well, obviously you guys in the media, but also really to Norwich fans because you're our conduits to the club and he does not like talking to you and therefore he there doesn't like talking to us as fans as well. And that's pretty insulting. Um, uh, yeah, so I just get get on the front foot, try and change the sort of messaging, leave us with a little bit of positivity, but also yeah, make sure you're being humble with it and admit your mistakes as well. And also make sure that interview isn't done through just the club channels as well. Make sure that is sit-downs with the local press. So it's interesting because I know in that David Wagner press release, say, I mean, he, you know, I, I asked him one question and he, he looked like he was about to jump up and nut me. And maybe that was just his face on that occasion. But he then did a lovely interview with BBC Radio Norfolk and it was quite, you know, it was, there was a completely different feel to that from what I, what I heard later. So it's, I, I guess it's down, it's down to how that gets put across and... Uh, and just to jump in, sorry to uh, the hog it, but he, to hog the uh, microphone. But he is a big hogger. He is genuinely really good when he is actually talking passionately and laying out plans as well. He communicates really effectively. So um, if he was, you know, shy and really rough, and you know, like Mo- <laughs> like Moxie's famous infamous interview, um, <laughs> then I could understand my bit why he might be reluctant. But he's actually really, really good at communicating positive ideas where, when he wants to. So just go out there and do it. And, and the interesting thing, Steve, for me as well, is that I, I get I get the desperation to move everything forward. Uh, I understand that because that's that's what you'd, you'd want to do if you were at Norwich. You'd want to have that, you know, move forward because we all know it's been rubbish. But there, there does need to be some reflection about what's happened and what's gone wrong. Is that you can't just you have to reconcile what's happened to move forward, surely. I still feel like there's stuff from the previous season that hasn't been reconciled yet because no one really wanted to address it properly. So, But is that me? Am I being unreasonable? Or do, do, do some supporters not really care about that? They, don't, they, they know it's rubbish. We don't need to go over it again. Well, I think that there'd be a lot to learn from what's gone wrong over the last couple no, of seasons. Don't it... be silly. No, what? No, <laughs> now? Feels like quite a lot has gone wrong. Um I mean we can't we can't score a goal at home, let alone get a win. Um I mean 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it does. It seems like um, self-reflection is not top of the agenda for, for those in the hierarchy of the club. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to know if they um, heard, if he heard this time, the we want Weber out chance. They seemed quite loud on Saturday to me. I, I, I mean, there was no one in the ground who didn't hear them. I know that <laughs> Wagner said he did. them. But... I certainly heard them. And I sit in the uh, quietest part of uh, Carrow Road. Um, I mean, I, I've I've made this point on the podcast for which I suppose is the problem with being asked to be on every week I just end up repeating myself but we have we have signed five players in the last three transfer windows three of them have been on loan um, and will not be here next season Um, and every single one of those has been a midfielder so for the best part of two years we have not signed a goalkeeper we have not signed a defender we have not signed a striker of course, you're, there is going to be stagnation in your screening. You could just about get away with that if you're, you know, Man City and looking to plateau at the top of the table. But we've just been relegated, and what we've tried to do is patch up a squad of players who were morale was already low with a group of players who were told, "Well, you're not going to be good enough for the Premier League anyway because you've just been out on loan. So uh, if we do go up, you're probably not going to be here next uh, next season anyway." So of course, motivation is going to be low. So the change needs to come from a group of players who want to be here and who want to win promotion. That's fundamentally, if of all the things they have got wrong on the pitch in terms of what happened on the pitch this season, that's the one for me. A terrible summer of recruitment again last year. Okay, Sarah's been good. Nunez shows promise. But it hasn't it hasn't corrected the problems at the heart of this squad, which I, I think have been there for quite a while now. So, I mean, Weber can do all the PR spin he wants, but if we don't get the recruitment right again this summer... Then, then it's going to be another season of toil, which which does become an argument not to bother with the media because it's all about that anyway. But you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, if, maybe. If, if you're having the discussions inside the club, um, uh, okay, that's all grand. Um, there's obviously a lot. <laughs> that, well, oh, I don't know. There, there's, I don't know what else to say really. That that that's all happened. We, we, we people have made their points clear, but I, there are people who who don't, and I, I've had messages from them who don't who don't feel that you know they they are necessarily owed anything as supporters um and that it's just right that they just pay their money and go and then hope for better next year which i completely understand I, can, i'm not can, here to pontificate on to anyone really i just want to stand up for supporters if they feel like they're not being heard can i ask a quick question <clears throat> what to, to everyone what would constitute a good season for norwich city next year like what what would fans accept do we think nick Oh, promotion. I mean, we're still oh. in this league. So I don't see why we shouldn't be aiming for that. I mean, yes, there may be mitigating circumstances around we've lost all our money, but every championship club's lost all their money. So we have a squad of players which has experience in top leagues. We have an academy that's been that's done well and produced players. We've, we're able to get talent. I mean, if I'm Stuart Weber, then, OK, I've only signed... Gabriel Sara and Marcelino Nunez, but Gabriel Sara's probably added in value if we can get a sale for him. So even what he's done, it's not been that dreadful. You look back to Billy Gilmore, Brandon Williams, all these players that on paper, they're not terrible. Admittedly, it hasn't worked. And maybe that's where Weber has to look in and say, well, why hasn't it worked? And maybe try and change his approach to things and I think that approach is going to be where fans decide what's acceptable next season because if we are going to go back to hey we're going to tighten our purse strings and not spend 
i.e. Daniel Farker's first season in the Premier League where we got Sam Byram. I think people were pretty comfortable with that because that was admittedly had come off a very high experience in the championship. But I think people can get on board with what they're suggesting as long as their football club remains their football club and they're communicated to and respectfully communicated to. I think that's, that's the big issue. But again, probably the all the... PR agencies that work for the club are probably saying, why would you do anything until it's certain that you're not going up? Because if you, you, you might luck into something and then, so why come out now? Because then Stuart Webber comes out now and says, yeah, you know what? We're going to tear this all down and we're going to do this and do that. And then suddenly you get promoted. Like, well, actually, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, we're actually going to give huge bonuses to these players that have not even played for us because we have to. And everything changes. So I get why he wouldn't say anything yet, but it, there's a big uh, moment coming up for him as soon as it's not possible and I'm guessing that's probably going to be next week well, yeah. well man, why not um, we'll see it's really interesting how that how that plays out and I agree it's it's. I wouldn't expect anyone to say anything now because it's still going on it's like this thing that won't it's like the knight on Monty Python and the Holy Grails <laughs> it's just a flesh wound uh, Dan you can answer the question uh, just uh, well I think yeah top six minimum and you know, playing some nice football would be great. But just just pick up a point on I mean, okay, what, uh, what Nick mentioned about uh, recruitment. And I think this gets overlooked a little bit. I think there's pressure, isn't there, on that academy functioning better now? Because you think of all the successes we've had under within the Weber regime, Max Aarons, Jamal Lewis, Ben Godfrey, uh, Josh and Jacob Murphy, Todd Cantwell, even Carlton Morris now, they were all here before uh, Stuart Webber came in, before Steve Weaver was appointed as academy manager. Since they've come in, we're kind of at crossroads again, aren't we? Omabama Delhi, is he going to be as good as Ben Godfrey says? Is he going to get as much value as Ben Godfrey? Liam Gibbs, Adam Eder, Mumba, we, we don't quite know what their value is yet. And it, their value hasn't, and they've not risen as quickly as, say, Max and Jamal rose. Uh, and in terms of re- recruitment as well, we brought in Madison as a 17 or 18-year-old. We brought in Ben Godfrey as an 18-year-old. Mumba we brought in as an 18-year-old and may well turn out to you know, have a Premier League career like Madison and Ben Godfrey are having. But at the moment, we we don't really know. So I think there is pressure on a club that uh, prides itself on uh, communicating itself as a self-funding model. It needs that academy to work. It needs those young players coming through to work. And, you know, they don't all have to come through to the Norwich first team. It's a success if we sell players and their successes in League One and League Two as well. But we do need some of them coming through to be regulars in that first team. And I don't think we can claim Gibbs or Amabamadeli have been regulars in the first team this season as well. So oh, yeah. I, there's a lot of pressure next season on some of those, you know, be, being real regulars in the championship. Um, just, to, just to answer your question from my point of view, Steve, I think... Uh, that it will completely depend on where the expectations are set by the club. So the reason I've been so harsh on them this year is because it's the, the overwhelming target this season was promotion and basically automatic promotion. And Dean Smith was saying de facto top two. It wasn't even finishing in the playoff places. So it's a proper failure to finish outside of the six top six takes you outside of the top 26, which was the minimum requirement of when they first came in, basically, to grow to that point. So I think, therefore, there's, that's perfectly reasonable to then have half really tough questions on them. I think next year it's something to work on. I think 
mid table is fine if it's something that's growing i i i think that side could be miles off going up next year if i'm honest if 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 there's this massive rebuild there's no way they can rebuild a team off the back of one summer to the level david wagner wants with no budget and then selling the better players and then fin- you know and then earning promotion unless they really get it spot on bearing in mind most of the recruitment corridors they had in nine, in 2018 have gone because of Brexit. So I don't, you know, I, I really struggle. And, and I would, in a way, you'd be better off setting the expectation that this is going to be a two or three year job. This is where we're starting from. Stay with us. Get, get behind this lot. We're going from scratch. Sorry for all the errors. Let's go. And then, you know, maybe everyone will buy into it. But I just think if we end up getting a brick wall and hope for the best kind of job, then it's just going to not. So, uh, there, you know, there we go. Uh, I don't know if that was even the question in the end, but that's just what I wanted to say. Um, there was something else I wanted to say as well, because I did my video verdict and I kept forgetting a point that I was going to make. And I did just want to say that I have now remembered what the point was, which was that I put out a tweet during the game, which may have been viewed as quite pointed about someone asking about Stuart Webber's position and me making the point, um, which could have been taken as him, as me saying Stuart Webber needs to be sacked, which wasn't the point. The point was the governance around the club means that it's very difficult to see who would be able to make that decision if it was deemed by the club in the best interests of the club. That is not an opinion I've suddenly formed in the last 48 hours. I've basically been writing about that for uh, 18 months to two years because the, pr- the progress of the club has generally been to remove uh, a- a voices that were accountable in the boardroom and executive committee. They have gone, they have left, they've chosen to leave or they have walked or it has just not worked. I have a major issue with that at the football club. And I think that part of the issue with where we are now is that that situation has continued. That was what the tweet meant. I don't really need to clarify it, but I did want to, I think, because it was just uh, there. You should have put a wink emoji at the end of it or something, Michael, (laughs) that would really set it off. (laughs) Anyway, uh, there we go. Uh, The last point I've written here was, um, I spoke to someone who goes to... Portman Road and Carrow Road for games because of their work. Uh, and they, they were, were telling me how different the feeling is uh, at both clubs at the moment, which is obviously lovely to hear. Um, anyone who can't remember <clears throat> watching uh, Norwich lose to Ipswich, uh, I just just don't, you know, it does happen sometimes <laughs> and I would be afraid of a derby next year. That's just <laughs> my, my gut as someone who has followed this club so long is, you know, let's never have another derby again. And I feel like that works. Well, um, just to quickly go into the comments, uh, the answer to the question of what do we want next season, <laughs> Killian O'Grady, who is uh, Michelle Dack, uh, fan of the season. Fan of the year! So, uh, congrats, Killian. Um, says a double over Ipswich would be good. Wow. And I've spent a lot of this season thinking I really don't want them to come up. But actually, it might at least... Because it generates some excitement. Well, it might generate some excitement next year. Might might, (laughs) give us something to get up for at least. Just me being a negative ninny, isn't it? I know, I know. Um, Right. Well, uh, let's rattle through. We can have more questions as well, Stephen. Comments that would be good. Uh, Before, let's rattle through our things we are not going to talk about because we've got to be done in ten minutes, and we will be. (laughs) The things we are not going to talk about. Um, Anything anyone doesn't want to talk about? Anyone got anything? Bobby Petter uh, still gives me nightmares going back to the Ipswich thing. So oh, <laughs> Alex Matthews, Bobby Petter. Oh. Alex Matthews for me. I remember being at the 5-0 defeat at Portman Road. Yeah, I, I was at the beanback, the first ever beanback for the oh. 5-0 defeat. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, there you go. Those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I, was, there was a bit of criticism for Angus Gunn and, and some people saying that he was getting a bit of stick, which I hadn't I'd, in classic Twitter mode. I'd seen people saying that that was the case, not actually seen that actual stick in the first place. I didn't really notice any at Carra Road on, on Saturday. Um, I, th- I think Angus, I, I, I didn't look at any of it on Saturday and think Angus was particularly the problem because there's a lot of, and I don't know how how he's supposed to be sort of <laughs> cajoling this whole group. I don't think it'd be any different with Tim Callingo is what I'm suggesting, but does anyone disagree? Maybe could have been quicker off his line for the third goal, but then he also made a really excellent one-on-one save, which ultimately counted for nothing because we conceded from the following corner uh, when we were at nil-nil. So I, I, yeah, I've, I think I think of all the problems we've got, Angus is not one. Maybe it's because he's declared a Scottish that our fans <laughs> just decided. <laughs> oh no! I mean, in fairness, I, he probably didn't rush out to meet Nitram because you know, both Andrew Mabamadeli and Max Aarons were both sides of him as he just ran through. Yeah, yeah. I, he I hesitate to criticise him for that as well. I mean, oh my gosh, the defending. Um, one thing from QPR, I think it was QPR, uh, Max Max went down in the box, got a whack on his foot. Um, definitely a penalty, but Max will never get a penalty because he just can't fall properly. <laughs> he sort of dived forward and kicked his legs out. He made a penalty look like it was a dive. So um, it was the same yeah. at Borough as well. He had one that should have been given there. Too. Well, maybe it was the Borough one I was thinking of. Now I can't remember. It's all merged into one jet lag. But um, anyone, anything one doesn't want to talk about? Dan, just, oh, go on, go on, Dan. You go first. Now we sure, uh, just to yeah. quote uh, Darren Huckabee, um, human rights aside, when talking about Newcastle United, <laughs> it is very lovely and very wholesome to see Jacob Murphy doing really well in the Premier League, um, starting every game for Newcastle at the moment, scoring twice on Sunday. Um, yeah, he, he was always a bit of a favourite of mine at the club um, and got a lot of sort of unnecessary stick, I think, when he was here. He worked really, really hard. And it's just nice to see maybe one of more our more unheralded um, academy products doing really, really well. What I love about Jacob, I mean, I remember sort of bumping into, into him in the cinema and things like that when he was like this 20-year-old, 19, 18-year-old whippersnapper or whatever. And he'd obviously been around and talked about for ages. And, you know, when they're quite, you know, shy and young and and now on the pitch he's like a proper character you see his face from the goal the, the third goal it was just just brilliant and and there was some other thing he did a few weeks back when it was proper like shithousery and it was like go on jacob you you're you like yeah you're a proper footballer didn't he didn't he laugh at that southampton player that was, that was got it. sent off or something that yeah. was it yeah, yeah. that, that game by horrible, the way but you know yeah. what fair play <laughs> Imagine that, a Norwich player doing that. God, if only. The second half of that game was there was Forster, Kane, Murphy, and Skip all on the same pitch. It was just like all the eras of Norwich City. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it didn't go that well for three of them, but you know. <laughs> no, quite. And uh, Nick, you were going to say, no, I, well, with Josh and Jacob, I think I I had bet on Josh as the one who would come through, but I think that. Uh, you're absolutely right. The character, I mean, was it Ten Hag said during the week that um, characters win cups when he when they got knocked out of the Europa League? And clearly Jacob had a little bit more about him. Even from an early age, I remember there was some strange tweeting going on while he was at Blackpool or Colchester. <laughs> oh, yeah. he, he was it, right. he was a character. And it's, you know, you can see how that pays off in his development as a footballer. Going to lose again. <laughs> it's quite funny. Still a famous Snapchat, that one. Um, we haven't spoken about Russell Martin. Uh, so anyone want to say anything about Russ? I mean, I, I said it in my video verdict, but I think he's doing a good job at Swansea. I don't think that's an easy job at all. I think they've got pretty high expectations, yet players just get sold from underneath you and you're supposed to be building it. Um, 
And I think it sort of seems that each time after a window, after a bit of change, he does get things going. He is a coach that with time on the training ground gets the team to look better. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I, I, you know, maybe if Norwich had been full tilt and any good on Saturday, it might've looked a bit different, but yeah. Is his contract's up in the it. summer, isn't it? it Russ's is, 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 is it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So it's not guaranteed that he'll necessarily stay on that. I mean, they did look good. I mean, they could have been passing between traffic cones in that <laughs> second half, really. But like, uh, they were good. And the first the half! Yeah. <laughs> that second goal. Oh, dear. All right. Cool. Anything else? Should we move on? Let's move on. Uh, oh, any more comments or questions, Steve? Uh, I will quickly just flag. uh, uh, Dom Copping says, uh, the Euphoria train we boarded to Coventry feels like a long time ago. Uh, 96 96 points would that have been? I think it was, wasn't it? 96 points. (laughs) Second game in charge, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I I think it was 96 and we're on 62. So I'd say we've fallen a little bit short of that. Um, So many trains. It's like train Mageddon. It has been. Uh, Jeffman98 says, with Wagner's infamous pre-scenes, what would be the ideal location for some serious team building? North Pole, a volcano. Uh, that might be the extra yep. edge we need. <laughs> yeah, that could do it. Um, maybe the last thing I want to say, I, like, I I appreciate David Wagner wanting to stick up for, for Stuart Webber. I completely understand that all. Uh, I, I do think the... I, and I, I'm not in any way questioning whether Stuart Webber cares about where he's working and the job that I think he obviously absolutely does. He's human and he no doubt wants the best and all that sort of stuff. But I, I don't really see the logic of telling everyone and all Norwich fans that no one cares about the club more than him because ultimately, you know, he's being paid to be here. Would he be at a Norwich game if he wasn't being paid to do the job? <laughs> no. Would 20,000 people who have spent 500 quid a year, every year, still be going to a Norwich yes I just think I just think that's just a bit it's a you know it's obviously a quote I just found it a bit disingenuous and I just don't think it did him any favors like just, he can care as much as anyone great but you know I don't know is that just me am I being harsh I think, again am I, I miserable get now I guess I thought it was a little harsh the reaction to it because it is still someone speaking in their second language and I think what he was yeah, just trying to say is that the guy worked really really hard and uh, he didn't slag the fans off, you know, like his predecessor, Dean Smith, no. did. did he? <laughs> he was essentially sticking true. up for his boss. Uh, you know so, what? yeah, just a careless sort of slip of the, like, just a, yeah, maybe didn't use the words quite like he wish he had done. You know Almost, what, Dan? You're right. Fair point. Almost <laughs> as awkward as potentially the board meeting where the board members go, Zoe, would you mind leaving the room for a few moments? <laughs> 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 I, uh, I don't think that will happen. Um, okay, let's move. Let's move on to uh, a bit of Motti. This is almost fantasy football. There he is, uh, rap- rattling on. Uh, it's West Bromwich Albion away on Saturday, five thirty p.m. kickoff. So you've got a whole load of Saturday football to look forward to before Norwich get their go. Can't believe West Brom lost at home to Sunderland. Really wasn't expecting that. I thought West Brom would be shoe-ins for. Uh, you know, really pushing on to finishing the top six. Uh, so now what? Is it like a nothing game? Does anyone care? Time to throw the kids in. <laughs> Again, even the younger kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're making it exactly. team even younger. Um, <laughs> when does, does Temu's, um, you know, leaving tour start? They've literally only got two dates left. 
It's going to be the shortest leaving. It's, it's not going to be uh, Elton John exactly, is it? It's going to, he's only got two matches left. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I'd start him just for the novelty value. It doesn't really matter now, does it? I mean, Sky must be absolutely cursing the weekend results because they must have anticipated there'd be something riding on this. But there could be nothing because there'll be teams playing before us uh, on Saturday. So it may be mathematically pretty much over by then anyway. Um I am going and I have no idea why. Uh, I think I would start by, as Dan said earlier, taking uh, Lungi out of the firing line at centre-back. Maybe even trying him in midfield is a really novel idea for a centre midfielder and sticking Barham at centre-back, I think. Um, and yes. who, who else Who else knows? Uh, or who knows what else? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I, was wonder- I did wonder that on uh, Saturday whether Sam Barham would play there. Um, whether anyone's mentioned that he that he does play there, I is I feel sorry for Jacob because he is also playing on the left side. I did ask David Wagner about that because he's like not only is he playing in his wrong position but on the wrong side of his wrong position. I know he's pretty good footed on both sides, but he didn't want to move Andrew Amabamadeli to one side, which I you can see the logic because then you're sort of playing you're moving two people around, whereas at least Andrew should therefore be in his right position. But I mean, he's looked a little bit lost with with all that around him. Anyway, so I don't know what the answer is there. Maybe that's the answer. What would you do, Dan? I guess the answer is maybe recruit some left-sided centre-backs in the ah, summer. They'll just get injured. It's still a big game for West Brom, isn't it? Because they've got that game in hand. So win it and they're back in the top six. Or, you know, win it as it stands. They're back in the top six. So uh, the fact there's one team with everything to play for and a team with nothing to play for slightly... Uh, worrying but then you could have said the same about that on Saturday with Norwich with everything to play for still at that stage and Swansea with nothing to play for and that worked out okay for the team with nothing to play for so maybe we'll continue that on Saturday and get ourselves a shock win and then we could end up like one or two points off the playoffs and uh, the club can claim it was a pretty decent season after all when we all know the reality of the situation (laughs) anything in particular you want to see from Saturday uh, Nick and will you be able to watch it in the States Yes, yes. Uh, ESPN will have that one. And uh, when it's not on ESPN, then the club's coverage figures that out for me. So I get to see all the games. Lucky me. Excellent. Um, uh, I don't know what I'd want to see. I mean, we might as well just keep doing what we're doing, in all honesty. I mean, what's... I don't see that. What are you going to do? Go to a back three at this point in the season? You, <laughs> We've been working season. on it for 30, for 44 games. Now is yeah. the time. Why change now? I mean, maybe there's... Maybe David Wagner can spin it to certain players and maybe it'd be nice to see Jolis or Rowe or, or someone get a start, but then you're just kind of throwing them under the bus and in the firing line of the negativity that's going to come anyway. So you probably want to protect them from that. Yeah, it's a really, really tough one. They, they, I, they must want this season to be done with so fast. I, I, they, <laughs> they must. Um, right. I think uh, we, we, we're done with that. We're all looking forward, obviously, to the game on Saturday, the penultimate <laughs> game of the season. Um, uh, Steve, if you can just throw out one or two extra comments before we sign up or any questions anyone's got. Uh, obviously, we should say uh, congratulations to Bali Mumba for being League One Young Player of the Season, which is awesome. I would argue... He's probably Norwich City's player of the season. He's maybe the only one to come out of it with any credit. He might um, yet win the award for us. You never know. He might, um, yeah. he might yeah. Jeff Mann again says, Paul Mullen to replace Pookie Preston. <laughs> probably can't afford him. I don't think they can afford him. <laughs> yeah. He's not probably on too much money. I was watching. I saw a bit of the Wrexham game and, uh, on Saturday and thought, are they, are they better than us? 
Um, so I think, yeah, I think they'd beat us these days. Can we? They, they can drew we get, Sheffield United, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Can we get Hugh Jackman to to buy us as a Norwich fan? Surely he's got more money than Ryan Reynolds, isn't he? And yeah, he's had a bit he's more gonna, success. He's going to play. He's he's going to train, isn't he? He's going to train and play. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not good enough these days to just turn up on ITV Anglia and say you're a supporter. He needs to put his money where his mouth exactly, is. Yeah, you know, yeah, get, yeah. Get, no get, one get. cares. No one cares more than Hugh Jackman. Yes, get Wolverine. <laughs> uh, and um, Steve Stibbons says uh, next season don't bring in loans that are made made of glass, uh, which seems sort of reasonably fair. Um, and that's probably so. We have had loads <laughs> and loads. Note. We've had loads and loads of comments, and I really feel like we haven't done them justice tonight because uh, there's been so many great ones. Um, but yeah, those are the only ones. Otherwise, we're just getting into a whole big debate again. And, well, look, you know, yeah, probably thank not the you. Time. For, thank you for so many messages. Uh, it is awesome. We will we, keep, keep them coming because we will. We will. We've got two more podcasts. There's probably not going to be much football to talk about next week, surely. Mm. And then, um, and then we've got one more uh, one after the Blackpool game. We'll probably do that on the Tuesday afterwards. So, um, two more podcasts to join us for before we can all forget about it and and launch ourselves into the summer of change, which will be amazing. Um, but other than that, I think we're done. And Dan, you need to go, don't you? So, uh, well, I'm on the hard nine o'clock stop that we've <laughs> failed to ma- match, but you know, such is life. Uh, so, uh, in which case, um, that is it for another on the ball, the Norwich City podcast that would still bounce all the way to the Hawthorns if it was the last thing it did. Uh, if you yet to, yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is freely available uh, for everyone on your usual player, and we stream the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels each monday evening as you will have seen right now have a search i'm sure you'll find them ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated and if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals send me a direct message on twitter at michael j bailey if that still works for you uh as for this evening a big thank you to our guests this evening who were nick thank you very much for joining us all the way from san francisco uh, enjoy the last two games of the season i'll try you will, you will. I can tell you're going to enjoy them. Uh, Dan, thank you as always. Uh, great stint as uh, head of comms, pseudo head of comms there. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. And you're still barred. Yeah, no, okay, <laughs> I tried. Uh, Steve, as always, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the numbers. And uh, are you going to come on again as you are every week? Uh, going to come on again next week? Uh, I mean, you put me in a difficult position. I can't really say no now, but uh, yes! you know, we're, we're still we've still got our charge to the playoffs to look forward to. So yeah, it might as well come back on for that glorious three 0 win that we're going to get on Saturday. Uh, still, still mathematically possible. Uh, right. Uh, well, thanks everyone. Thanks to everyone uh, watching and listening. We'll be back next Monday for the penultimate instalment of this season's on the ball Norwich City podcast. Until then, never mind the danger. <laughs>